Uh, I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't already know or haven't noticed when I say that we live in a world that is becoming increasingly polarized. And we live in a world where we tend to people put people into different groups or camps. You're either this or you're that. I, I think we see it all of the time uh, in the way that we speak online, especially over social media, right? We can just very quickly demonize people. I think the best example of it is probably in our politics, though, right? Where, where you are either one or the other. You're either a Republican or a Democrat. It, we, we see it in our news channels, right? Where you watch one news channel and you, you think that the Democrats are, are the source of all evil and you watch another and it's the Republicans, right? We are very polarized, especially in how we see each other very often. Again, we put each other into different groups, different camps of people. And uh, I don't know about you, but this saddens me. It frustrates me. And it seems to me that this is just not at all a Christian way of viewing the world or the people around us. Right? It's our faith that, that tells us we're not completely one thing or the other. Uh, it's our faith that allows us, I think, at least in this way, to see a whole lot more gray when we look out at the people around us. Uh, for, for example, I know that there are moments in my life, and they might be few and, and far between, but, but they're there, they happen, I, I promise you. There are moments when, when I see that God has been able to work some, some pretty cool things through me, uh, ways in which he has blessed others through my life. And I praise him for that. And, and yet, there are other moments where I, I can very easily admit that I have let myself and God and people down, right? I, like, I come back from church giving a, a sermon that I think went pretty well, and, and then I realize that I've been short or, or selfish with my family, right? And, and in that way, we're all kind of this mixed bag. We're capable of amazing good by God's power, and we also do some pretty bad things sometimes, too. And I think until we're able to see that in ourselves, that we're not just these hopeless creatures who can do no good, but we're also not perfect people who can do no wrong, we're, we're not going to be able to see that in other people and to show them the grace that, that we would want to receive. I, I bring this up because the Bible is full of examples of just this, right? Of men and women who do both amazingly good things and amazingly bad things. And I think the Apostle Peter is a perfect example of that. Right, as a pastor, there are things that Peter does that I would encourage you, do not do. Do not repeat. Do not follow his example there. Right? Think of the time when he denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but, but three times. But, but then there are other moments in Peter's life where he does some amazing things. Right? There are moments in his life that I would say, yes, be like him. Do what he did. And, and today's reading from Luke chapter 5 was, was just such an example. And, and today, in, in Luke chapter 5, we look at Peter and we see a beautiful example of what a disciple looks like. And there are two qualities, two characteristics of a disciple that Peter just exudes and exemplifies for us today. So that's what I would like to talk about, a life of discipleship and what it looks like for us today to be disciples of Jesus. Now, before we get any further, uh, we should probably define that word a little bit. Because maybe we each have a different definition of what a disciple is, or maybe we have a different picture of, of what a disciple looks like. And so, just to quickly define our terms today, a, a disciple, quite literally, to use the New Testament language, the Greek language, a disciple is a learner. That's what the Greek New Testament word for disciple literally means, one who learns. And so in Jesus' day, a disciple was someone who learned from a rabbi. 
They followed that rabbi around, they watched them, they listened to them, they observed them, and all along the way they were learning from that rabbi. And I think it's important to say they were not just learning things to think about, right? This learning was not just about filling up your mind full of new facts, right? But it was a learning that encompassed your, your entire life, your entire, uh, your mind, your heart, your soul, your body, right? You were learning how to think, but also what to desire, uh, what to believe, how to pray, how to live, and how to love. And I think the same is true of us with Jesus as his disciples. We are learning. As we open up our Bibles, we watch him, we listen to him. It is such an amazing journey. And, and we're learning along the way. We're learning what to think, but also what to desire and how to live and how to love. And so we are each Christ's disciples. Maybe you don't think of yourself in, in that way. Uh, maybe that's hard for you to wrap your mind around, but you are a disciple of Jesus. And we spend our lives learning from him. And today we learn that there are a couple qualities or characteristics of disciples. And again, we see this in the life of Peter. And the first quality or characteristic that I think Peter exuded in our story today was that of humility. Uh, Peter lives a humble life today. You see, Peter was a fisherman. Uh, we learned that in our reading for today. Now, I don't know what you think about when you picture fishermen. I'll just tell you what I tend to picture. I, I picture someone in a floppy hat with a pole, getting out on a little rowboat with maybe a, a cooler full of beer, escaping for the weekend to find some peace and quiet from the world, right? And if that's at all the, the kind of picture we have of fishermen, we just need to erase it from our mind for a moment when we think about Peter because that does not describe Peter at all. For, for Peter, fishing was not some hobby that he did on the weekends. It was, it was his life, it was his career. And in fact, and I'll talk about this in just a minute, fishing in Galilee at that time, this was like major industry. Right? Now Peter would have been doing pretty well for himself as a fisherman. And uh, Peter, as a fisherman, had devoted his life to this. It was uh, most likely something his father did too, and he grew up doing uh, as well. He knew fishing backwards and forwards, and he knew the lake that he was fishing in, upwards and downwards. He knew everything about it. For example, Peter knew that the fish that he was looking for in this lake, they only came up to the surface where they could be caught at night. That during the day, they didn't like the light and the sunshine, and so they would kind of snuggle down at the, the bottom of the lake there, and they would hide out during the day. And then at night, when the sun went away, they'd come up to the surface to feed. And uh, Peter knew that that was the time, in the middle of the night, when you wanted to go out and catch the fish. And, and that trying to set down your nets during the day just made no sense. And in fact, we learned today that, that Peter had fished all night, and he had caught nothing. And if he caught nothing in the middle of the night, then it was crazy talk to think that he could catch during the day. And yet here's Jesus, right, appearing to Peter and telling him, let down your nets, give it another go. You can imagine what Peter was thinking when this carpenter, <laughs> this rabbi, is trying to tell him how to do his job. And in fact, it would be like this. Uh, imagine you in that thing that you love doing or that thing in life that you take the most pride in. Maybe something that you kind of think you're, you're pretty good at, right? And maybe it's a Maybe it's a particular recipe, right, that you're famous for amongst your family and friends and, and coworkers. Or maybe it's a sport that you've always been really good at or a hobby that you have devoted a lot of time to. Maybe it's woodworking, whatever it is. Right? And imagine a friend of yours who's never done this thing, right? And they walk up to you and they watch you for like five seconds and then they start telling you how to do that thing better. Right? Imagine the look that you would have for them. You'd be thinking to yourself, you're crazy. 
right? This is my thing. This is my recipe. People come to me looking for this. I'm the one that has devoted so much time to this. Who are you to tell me what to do? You've never even done it in your life, right? Imagine what you'd be thinking. I, I know for me, this would, uh, an example I thought of would, would be with uh, our daughter. I'm still a relatively new dad, but I like to think I'm pretty good at it. Uh, like to think that I'm the best dad for our daughter. So this would be like for me if I were at the grocery store with her, which isn't happening much these days. But if I did, imagine that she started to cry. It would be like a stranger walking up to me, telling me how to comfort and calm her, right? Telling me I need to hold her a certain way or rock her a certain direction. I would look at them and think, who are you, right? I'm her dad. I'm the one that's picked her up so many times. I'm the one that's gotten up in the middle of the night. I know what's best for her. Don't tell me how to be a dad to my daughter. Now, Peter could have taken that attitude with Jesus, right? Again, he's the fisherman. Who's this carpenter's son, this rabbi, to tell me how to do my life's work? But he doesn't. In humility, Peter, Peter obeys and follows Jesus, right? He says it today. He says, Master. That's a term of humility, recognizing who Jesus is, although he probably doesn't know him that well. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. That's humility, an ability to humble yourself under the greatness of someone else. And yet that's not the only time in the story where, where Peter exudes this humility, right? It also comes later, after Jesus has performed the miracle. So you might know how the story goes. We, you, you heard it earlier. Jesus commands that the nets be let down. Peter resists, but he obeys. And they let the nets down, and there's this miraculous catch of fish. Uh, Peter catches more fish than he's ever caught before. And, and it's then that Peter says this. It says, when Peter, Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. We see Peter's humility, not just in his ability to take orders and obey commands, but we also see his, his humility and his willingness to confess his sin. There's nothing more humbling than admitting that, that you've made a mistake, that you've done something wrong, that you've sinned against God. That's hard work, but it is the humility that we as God's disciples are called to live with. We are called to set aside our own agenda, to stop thinking that we know best, that we don't need any help, and we're called to live under the authority of Jesus, seeing our smallness in light of his greatness, seeing his power. We are called to live lives of humility. We're also called to live lives of obedience. That's the second quality or characteristic that Peter shows us today. Uh, he obeyed, not just in letting down the nets, but we also heard about his obedience at the very end of the story. At the very end of the story we read, it says this. It said, they, they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. I mean, talk about sacrificial, whole life obedience. Now, I have to admit, when I used to read this story and I read that, that Peter and the other disciples there left everything to follow Jesus, I didn't think much of it. Probably because I didn't think much of fishing. Again, I, I pictured fishermen with that pole, floppy hat, and, and maybe a little small boat. And I thought, big deal, they had to give some of that up. It wasn't that much of a sacrifice. But again, we need to think about what fishing was like in Jesus' world. This was big business. This was an industry. And most of the people in Galilee, where this is taking place, would have been kind of subsistence farmers, right? Living as peasants. 
And fishermen weren't at the top of the socioeconomic scale. I'm not suggesting that, but they were better off than most, right? They had stability in their lives. They had security. They were doing okay for themselves. And, and we're told that they leave all that behind. Not only financial security, but, but also their life's work and their passion. They leave it all behind out of obedience to Jesus. And it's that kind of sacrificial, whole life obedience that we, as Jesus' disciples, are called to live out as well. In, in every aspect of our lives, in our jobs, just like Peter did, we are called to be obedient. And that might look different for each of us. For some of us, it, it might mean uh, being honest and truthful when we're asked to kind of uh, twist the truth or maybe hide and cover something up. It could mean showing kindness to a coworker that just rubs us the wrong way and always gets under our skin. It could mean deflecting credit and shining the spotlight on someone else when we kind of know that we deserve the credit, but giving that, that honor to someone else. Uh, whole life obedience, it applies to the way we spend our money. We are called to be sacrificially generous for the good of those around us, giving things away to help our neighbors. It applies to our relationships, right? We are called to forgive people that have hurt us deeply, that we know don't deserve it. We are called to love people that, that have proved themselves to be just completely unlovable. We are called to be obedient all of the time, in every way, to Jesus. Not just when it's easy, but even when it hurts. Uh, my wife and I, not too long ago, were listening to a radio show. Uh, she, she had me listen to it, where they were talking about random acts of kindness. And in this example, it was the kind, maybe you've even uh, taken part of this, where, where someone bought a meal for the person behind them in the drive through line. I don't know if it was like a coffee at Starbucks or McDonald's or what. And it got passed along for a little while. One person bought for the person behind them, and then that person bought for the person behind them. I think that is really cool. And I think random acts of kindness are such a beautiful witness to the love of Jesus, right? Doing something kind and loving for someone you've never even met, that is a witness to the love of Christ. I think we need more random acts of kindness. But the truth is, the kind of obedience that we see in Peter, the kind of obedience that disciples of Jesus are called to, needs to go far beyond random acts of kindness. Uh, uh, obedience as a disciple is more than just about buying a, a cup of coffee for someone in the drive-thru behind us. We, we need that, again, to be sure. I'm, I'm not diminishing it at all. But, but the obedience that, that Christ calls us to as his disciples, well, the truth is it's sacrificial and sometimes it hurts. We don't just do it when it's easy or convenient or, or when we can fit it into our busy schedule. It's a sacrifice. And it may even, as we heard today, cost us everything. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself at this point, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> uh, maybe you recognize in yourself that you are not as humble as God calls you to. Maybe you're not sure if you're able to leave everything to follow Jesus. You just don't know if, if you have that kind of faith quite yet. You, you don't know if you're ready to be a disciple. Well, here's what I would say to that. Peter didn't think he was either, <laughs> right? Uh, we, we heard it today. He says, uh, Peter said to Jesus, go away from me. Jesus, I'm not ready for you. You are, are too good, too great for me. Peter didn't think he was worthy. And yet, Jesus invited him in to be his disciple. And Jesus does the same for us. Doesn't matter if you think you're worthy enough or not. Doesn't matter if you think you're ready or not. Jesus invites you in. Not because of, of your ability or your capacity to perform, but simply because he loves you. 
I think that's one of the things this miracle shows us, right? Isn't it interesting that, that, that Jesus is able to do Peter's job way better than Peter could? And I think what that tells us, uh, again, is that, that God's call to a life of discipleship isn't on our ability to, to produce, right, or our capacity, right? Uh, Jesus can do anyone's job better than anyone could. In the blink of an eye, just like that, Jesus is capable of miraculous things. And, and so Jesus didn't call Peter because of what Peter could do for Jesus, but because Jesus wanted to be with Peter and work through Peter, just like he does with you. Uh, made me think of, of some of the jobs that I do around our house with our daughter. Um, what, one of the things that I try to do at home is fold the laundry. It needs to get done. And for a while, what I would do is, because our daughter's so little, is I try to put some toys in front of her off to the side, get her really distracted. And then I would try to fold the laundry off to the side as fast as I could before she would kind of create a mess of it. But you know, the truth is that that wasn't very much fun. And so what I've been doing is inviting her to help me fold the laundry. I'll bring her right there next to me with the basket of unfolded clothes. And to be sure, she continues to make a mess out of it. She's actually not that much of a help at all. But I, I would rather do it with her. Right? It's much more fun that way. And that's because I love her. And the same is true of our Heavenly Father. Right? He invites us into his work. Not because he couldn't get his work done on his own. Of course he could. He's God but because he loves us and he wants to be with us. And, and what we see is that Jesus, in this life of discipleship that we're called to, he is exceedingly patient. While we learn to be humble, while we grow in obedience, he's willing to walk beside us. He doesn't wait for us to, to get our act together. He doesn't wait for us to be perfect in humility or obedience. No, he meets us where we are. Isn't that what he did with Peter? It was Jesus who showed up on Peter's boat, who, who came to his lake, who came to Peter's workplace, not waiting for, for Peter to come to him. And, and the same is true with you. Jesus meets you where you are because he longs to be with you and he wants you to be his disciple. What a gift. See, the only prerequisite to a life of discipleship, it's not humility, it's not obedience. You don't have to have those things to become a disciple. They come later. No, the only prerequisite to a life of discipleship is Jesus. He is all you need in your life to be a disciple. It's Jesus, the one who lived for you and died for you and rose for you and now invites you in to a lifetime of work in the Lord. He's it. He's all you need. That's why Peter and the other disciples were able to leave everything. They knew they could give everything away because they still had Jesus, the one thing that mattered. It's why the, the disciples, most of them, except for maybe John, were, were able to, to lay down their life, to, to be sacrificed as martyrs for the faith, to be killed. Because they knew that their, even their earthly lives meant nothing in light of what they found and had in the eternity that was theirs in Jesus. Jesus is all you need for a life of discipleship. And dear friends, he is yours. He has come to you. He has met you where you are. He has poured out his life to bring you life and life everlasting. And isn't that humbling? And what else can we do but obey? We praise God for what we have in Jesus and for the life of discipleship that is ours with him. In Jesus' name, amen.